show, but I said some things to myself, like what the just happened. And that was the moment that like, I understood mental health and mental illness, like something went awry and how did I get here? A podcast hosted by Jody Tree, Joe on the mic, leader talk tackles various leadership strategies that cover self-development, self-leadership, including spiritual and physical health of leaders. This podcast will feature guests ranging from military leaders, thought leaders, health and nutrition leaders, spiritual leaders, nonprofit leaders, and many more. All right, guys. Hey, we're back on another episode and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rob. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I'm awesome. Happy New Year to you, too. It's going to be a good one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, guys, let me introduce you to Rob. Okay, real quick. Rob, he said it says here, he's been sober since 2001. Rob Lohman currently helps people suffering from substance abuse to find freedom from addiction and incarceration. He does this through sharing his testimony of professional interventions and recovery coaching, advocacy. Self, he's a self-published author and being the host of Beyond the Bars radio podcast. You guys got to check that out too. In addiction, Freedom in Faith podcast, awesome as well. Rob has been through the ringer and he's going to share a little bit about that and keep and keeps bouncing back. His rap sheet includes alcohol and drug addiction, gambling addiction, divorce, bankruptcies. I've been there. Mental health, suicide ideation, been there too. Uh, prison, uh, recovery, and transformation. Rob now invests in the lives of those wanting to see positive change, whether it is coming out of addiction, prison, or just wanting more for their lives. He is a dynamic speaker and shares an extremely powerful journey of persistence, faith, and inspiration. Rob, welcome, welcome, welcome again. And uh, hey, uh, what else is something out there that people need to know about you that they should know? That I'm a dog lover. I love dogs. So there you go. I'm a dog lover to connect with all you dog people. Nothing against cat and fish people, but you know, dogs, dog, I'm a dog lover. That's one important thing to know about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, man, I, I'm so glad to have you on and can, uh, and, and, and I want to just get straight into it because th this is a, this is a good subject matter uh, because right now we know we just, we just came out of 2020, man, people are stuck in their houses people are stressed out and people might turn to the wrong things to be relieved of those pressures in life, man. And, and tell us a little something about what you do and how you help people to recover from addiction. Yeah, I know. I would say that the biggest thing I do is help people find a new hope for their future. And whether you're struggling with addiction or just identity stuff or career transition or just life transition. I mean, there can be that, that uh, feeling of despair sometimes just like, gosh, is this ever going to get better? Uh, but a lot of the work I do is around addictions and, and interventions and coaching. And I, like, like you mentioned in the, in the intro there thing, and, and thanks for having me on the show, by the way, too. I've been looking forward to this. I've, it's been fun to watch the excitement in like our little group that we're connected to about oh, the show and, um, and just podcasting such a cool way to get, a message out to people that they can listen to anytime they want to and download them. So I always encourage people, Hey, share Joe's podcasts everywhere you go. So it can help grow the audience that you have. Um, Cause you have great message to share with people. And, 
Oh, thank you. You know, addictions, I, I sit there and think of, you know, I, I live in Denver, Colorado, but right now I'm in Fort Worth, Texas at my parents' house. I uh, had a big intervention over the weekend and mm. flew in here to do some work stuff. But like, I'm sitting there thinking of what's behind me right now. And like, these are all the pictures of like my dad right there and my mom and my grandparents and my my own kids and our pictures. And, you know, without being the path that I'm on now and just really knowing who I am in Christ and being free from addictions, gambling included, um, who knows the crazy journey I'd be on right now. And uh, so I'm grateful to be where I am today and, and the work I get to do to help families get on the right path as well. Now, and I know you went, you went real briefly through that, but as we were talking and, and I was, I was part, I, I participated in your uh, earlier summit that you had, it was called Identity in Christ. And you, you gave a, a compelling story about your journey through addiction because uh, it was part alcohol, uh, part uh, gambling and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't want our listeners just to, to gloss over that because um, a lot of times people see someone in a, in a place of wellness and then, then that person that's in a place of wellness tries to talk to somebody else who's hurting and they don't understand where the journey they got to, to get to that point of wellness. So can you, can you give our audience a, a, little, a little backstory of your journey? Yes, the backstory, roller coaster, rubber band story, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, the interesting thing was, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm. Okay. Now I'm in Fort Worth right now, but, you know, back in Fort Wayne, it was great because all my cousins, aunts, uncles, like it was a great community of family, you know, back in, in Fort Wayne. And we went to church and just was involved in a lot of Bible study stuff and just, we had a lot of fun. You know, and I was your happy-go-lucky, goofy kid. And we moved to Texas, Fort Worth, Texas in 1980. My dad got a job in the oil industry down here. And so we relocated. And, you know, when you're kind of like uprooted from what you know and plucked into something, like people down here in Texas, they talk weird, you know, <laughs> not like us in Indiana, but they talked weird in Texas. But it was it was a culture shock to me. Um, and... And I know I just wanted to like, just fit in was what I wanted to do down here. You're making new friends. You're the new kid. You don't have an accent. And uh, the school, when we moved to it was Tangled Elementary and it was just five blocks from where I'm sitting right now. And, um, you know, elementary and, and elementary school is fine. But at 14 years old was when I started my first, um, my drinking career, as I say, it started at 14 and alcohol was always around, but I never saw it as a problem. Like it was more of a social thing for my family. Mm. And, you know, I never saw people drunk or no one had repercussions from drinking. So when I started drinking, it was actually funny, Joe, at a, at a it was a Young Life party. And if people know what Young Life is, it's a, a, a Christian organization that, you know, does a lot of great youth events and thing, youth things for people. And, uh, but I remember as a Young Life party and this kid, brought a six pack of beer and he's like, Hey Loman, do you want to go have some beer? And I was like, two girls in a six pack, let's go. And, and I just remember just going like, just open them. It was like, ksh, ksh, ksh. and I just chugged them. And it was like, alcohol had me at hello. And, Ooh. and that was like the next 15 years of my life. It was just partying, having 
fun. Mm. And, you know, along the way, it's just what I did. I mean, I would Arlington Heights High School is where I went to school, not far from where I'm sitting right now. And I mean, high school would be one of those things where we'd go drink during lunch and go back to school. Mm. And I'd get in trouble, but I always got out of it because I was like, you know, senior class president, part of all these clubs and organizations. And I was a good swimmer. And my uh, my teacher after lunch was my swim coach. And I was her assistant and she's like, yeah, just go ahead and take off and go get ready for practice. But I'd go get, I'd go drink and then wow. go to swim practice. And so normal people, if you're good at something like a sport, but yet you realize that alcohol is becoming a problem. A lot of people would say, I'm going to get rid of the alcohol and thrive in my sport. But I quit, I, I quit the sport and thrived in my alcohol. Oh, wow. Wow. And that was the, backwards priorities. Right. But my parents, they didn't like, they, they didn't know a lot of what I did. I think they were just naive or just didn't want to look under the rock. And Mm -hmm. so they, I didn't really have a lot of repercussions at home or at school. And, and that was it. I mean, I went to college to become a doctor, you know, my grandpa was a doctor. And so I went to college to become a doctor, but I was too much of a partier. Mm. And so they say when you put alcohol and potential in the same room, alcohol wins every time. And that was that was my story right there. Alcohol won over potential. But you know, graduation came for college, and and I almost got kicked out of college a couple of times just due to alcohol stuff. But I always talked my way back in. Mm. And senior year before my college, uh, before college, I totaled my car in a drunk driving accident. No, didn't get hurt at all. It was just I had a hurt shoulder. But that was it. Like, I felt like I had become invincible. And I don't know if you ever feel like that in your life, Joe. It's like, dude, I'm invincible. I can do whatever I want to do. And that's that's where I had gotten to. Wow. 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 That's kind of that's a real dangerous, dangerous place to be. But and then what, but when you're in it, like you say, you think you're invincible. Nothing can nothing can nothing can hurt me or anything else like that. And and I think the, the key word is me. Nothing can hurt me. Yeah. And not not thinking about, well, who can it hurt? Because you think you're doing it to yourself. What was the, if I may say, what was the, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back? All right, folks, time for a sponsor break. How you doing, guys? I just wanted to jump in here real quick. I wanted to let you guys know about a power of Proverbs 21-day morning boot camp that's going on right now for Christian men. We have pastors, coaches, leaders, authors, businessmen coming in and talking to us each day for 21 days about the power of Proverbs to bring wisdom, encouragement, and inspiration into our lives to start out 2021 on the best footing ever with the wisdom of God. Hey, join me. Go to joedetree.com, joedetree.com to sign up. It's a free boot camp. Hey, we just started two days ago. We're going for 21 days until the beginning of February. Join us, join us, join us. It's free. It's awesome. Things are happening. All right. Back to our episode. Yeah. The straw that broke the camel's back. Well, you know, I graduated college by the skin of my teeth. Um, Mm. It was like graduation day. And, and I was the only one that knew that I may not graduate. I had like two sets of grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins. They came down because it was close by where everybody lived in Mm. Indiana. And because I went to college back in Indiana but the morning of graduation, and this is like how sneaky you could be because no one else knew any of this stuff, but I knew if I didn't 
get like almost a hundred percent on my anatomy final that I was not going to graduate, but I didn't tell anybody this yet. So I remember in the morning, my professor called me the day of graduation. He's like, Loman, get to my office. So I do what he said. I get to his office and I'm sitting there and he's like, what have you been doing all semester, all year? And I'm thinking, okay, I just want to know if I like, you know, if I passed, you know, it's kind of like the, the show Pawn Stars. They take the thing to the Pawn Star. They don't care about the history. They just want to know how much the thing's worth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So I'm sitting there. I just want to know if I passed. And so he goes, look at my score. Look at these scores. 98, 99, 97. And he's showing me the scores. He's like, this is the highest score I've ever seen on any exam I've given. And I didn't care about anything. I just said, did I, did I, did I graduate? Am I going to graduate? He goes, yes. And I just didn't even say thank you. I just took off and, you know, and it went out. And I never told my parents that story until many years later because they just spent, <laughs> yeah. they just spent like 125 grand on my college. And I was just a, a, a an idiot. But the thing was, the problem was I knew I was really smart. Mm. Right. And I was too smart for myself sometimes. And, and to answer your question, like to the, the thing that broke the camel's back was, you know, after college, I just had the other transitions, still drinking, drugging, partying. I ended up getting married in 1998 uh, to a good alcoholic back mm. in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Very short-lived marriage. Um, but I started really wanting more for my own life. Mm. And I started going back to church just on my own and and, and the pastor would be given his sermon and he wasn't saying this to me, but in my internalizing it, what I heard was you need to get your finances back in order. You need to like, and it was condemning, but mm. I was only condemning myself. Right. Mm. And, and I knew that, but I was also dealing a lot with, I know, I know as, as you, you and your wife have talked about just suicide ideation. So I was dealing a lot with that and I would see myself, you know, driving down the highway and I would see my car veer off the highway and hit a median. And I would literally see myself dead with like a burning next to a burning car. Mm. And that didn't happen. But in my, in my visualization, like that's what I saw my life going and my gambling was out of control. Um, and I was wanting more for my life, but I was like $67,000 in credit card debt. (laughs) of absolutely no worth. It was literally just stupid trips and things that I did. There was no value. Uh, it wasn't like a business loss, but, but I, I was a loser. Hmm. You know, that's what I told myself. And I grew up a Christian, right? So it's like completely opposite of really what I feel like God wanted for my life and how to live. But, but one night in particular, I was hanging out in a bar in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it was loud music. I drank and drove eight nights, eight nights a week. You know, I was out all the time. But this night I was out with my friends and, and it, all of a sudden the music got completely dead silent. No voices, nothing. The only thing I heard was an audible voice that said, you're done. And then the bar got really loud again. And so for me, the only one that had that experience, I looked at my friend, Sean O'Brien, and I was like, dude, I got to go home. I think I'm finally done drinking. He laughs because he knows I'll be at the bar tomorrow. But something shifted in me that night, Joe. And, it, and I knew it. Something was different. Like, I felt like I had just become sober, but I had mm-hmm. lots of alcohol and chemicals in my body. So I was drunk. Wow. But I drove home that night, totally confused on what was going on. 
And I walked up my bachelor, uh, you know, bachelor pad of 12 stairs to my little one bedroom loft apartment and put about all the plates I had on my barbell, about 350 pounds, laid down on the workout bench, picked up that barbell off the rack and just dropped it across my chest. Hmm. And that was going to be the end of my story. But what I know happened, and I believe this because God is the only one that can carry all of our burdens, right? He says, lay your burdens at my feet and, and give them to him, right? So in that moment, what I believe happened was God grabbed the rack with his hand, the barbell, and just held it there. And, and in these milliseconds of where it should have dropped across my chest, uh, my dog all of a sudden starts nudging my leg <laughs> and looking at me with those puppy dog eyes. And just like, what are you doing, dad? And my first thought was, oh my gosh, who's going to feed you tomorrow? And then I started thinking about my mom and my dad and my brother and just the good stuff in my life, right? And so my heart broke for my dog. And I know God just put that barbell back on the rack. I mean, I see it happening as I tell you the story. Wow. And, and I just knew at that moment that my life was going to be different. I felt different. I knew God was there. I felt his peace and comfort. And he helped me pour out two full bottles of scotch. You know, because every person that likes to drink in their house goes and buys $70 bottle of scotches that no one else can enjoy, right? And we poured that out in the kitchen together and I slept in peace for the first time that night. Wow. And and I believe that God intervened through my dog to save my life on June the early morning of June 8th, 2001. Wow. Wow. You know what? And, and, and I'm thank, so thankful. I'm so thankful to God that, that you had that moment and that, <laughs> that the dog <laughs> just, and, and, and it's true. It's true. God can work through any means possible, whether it's a dog or like it showed in, in the, in the Bible, he, he had a dog, donkey just talk to the prophet uh, to warn yeah. the prophet of danger, but it's amazing how God does that. And I'm so thankful because right now you're, you're helping so many people out with addiction, with a prison ministry to, to get their lives back that God created them to have and to discover their identity in Christ and the, the value and worth that they have. It's not in the drinking because and, and I love the way uh, another uh, another brother put it. Uh, his name is Bobby Petroselli. He said, the, the drinking is not the problem. It's why the reasons that they're drinking that needs the help, that needs the focus, that needs the, the mending, you know, and, and working on. And the, the person is just doing something to alleviate the pain. Yeah, totally. Know? And so I'm so glad um, that, that you, you, I'm not glad that you went through it. I'm glad that you didn't give up. And, and I'm glad that you saw that God was trying to, trying to get you out of that. <laughs> you yeah. Know? In, in such a, 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 a subtle, uh, but, but a nice way, you know. Um, yeah. but, but after that, I guess, um, how, how did you get involved in your current uh, I, I was, I would call it a ministry of, of helping people to get recovery, uh, even the prison, uh, prison recovery. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. You sit there and think like, Hey, that's, that was probably the guy's bottom. Right. But that wasn't the bottom of my life at all, you know? And, but, you know, but being in recovery, you know, and I've always had this entrepreneurial drive to make something of myself ever since I was a kid, it was kind of those, but I never took the time to invest in like, well, how do you become a successful businessman? How do you become a successful entrepreneur? Right. And so at this point, it was just learning how to live my life without substances. Right. And I was single when I got sober. So I had to learn how to like play golf and read a book and go on a date and do all this stuff sober. Cause everything before that was alcohol driven. Mm. And so it was like, how do I become a, like I'm 29 years old now and I started using it at 14. So they say, when you start using alcohol and drugs for anyone that doesn't believe this, it's true that your, your brain literally stops like f- functioning and developing in a lot of ways. So I'm like a, 15 year old kid in a 30 year old body, you know, and it was very apparent. I was like a 15 year old mentality kid at 50, at 30 years old for mm. sure. <laughs> so I had to learn that, but I, but I, you know, I uncovered my past. I worked through it. I sought counsel, you know, help and, you know, mentors and sponsors and stuff through my recovery program. And, and the crazy thing is Joe, I've never once had a craving to even think about drinking or drugging since that day. I didn't go through detox. I didn't go through withdrawals and I could put down like equivalent of two bottles of scotch in a day, just partying and having fun with people. So to me, that was a divine moment. I'm in this small percentage of people. Um, and I'm grateful that I didn't have to go through the pain. I see a lot of my clients and families go through now that I work with and, mm. and interventions. Um, but the way I got to where I was today and, and I'll, I'll shorten this part of the story was that when I got sober, I was single. Mm. And over time, I meet my wife. I mean, God, God took me through some cool, cool journeys. I mean, I put on a, with, I mean, it was God's calling in my life, but it was a massive uh, three-day Christian music festival in the mountains of Colorado. Oh wow! In two thousand eight, it happened. You know, fifteen thousand people came, and it was like all these huge musicians and everything. It was just an amazing thing, right? But, but that all spawned out of something that happened a couple of years before that, and you know, things that happened a couple of years before that. So I feel like God's always teeing me up for something else. I'm not looking for it anymore. Like I'm happy where I am now, but I, but I was always like, okay, what's next. Hmm. But now it's just being content where I am now, knowing that God's taken me and my family and people somewhere else. But you know what I mean? So I'm not looking for it. I just know that if something presents itself in front hmm. of me and it's from God, it won't make any sense at all kind of like, kind of like, uh, you know, we were talking before the show about, you know, boot camps and things that yeah. God puts on our heart. You're like, you want me to do what? <laughs> okay. Obviously it's bigger than you. Cause I sure as heck don't want to do it. Um, but I met my wife in 2006 and, um, it was, it was kind of like I was single, but now I'm married. Right. Mm. And at the beginning of our marriage, there were some things that went on. I felt like I wasn't qualified to be a good husband. And mm. then started already believing lies about myself, you know, that were words that were said that I internalized and created a, a, a negative thing about myself inside my head. So this, this thing up here, that, that messes with a lot of stuff. And, um, and then I, well, then we had our first son, Ezekiel, who's now 13. Right. And then, you know, I got a, you had a big boy job because I finally, it was like, I need to really step up as a man in this and not I think the hard thing is sometimes God calls us to do certain things, hmm. called me to do certain things. And I feel like that spoke louder sometimes than my initial calling to take care of my family. 
Mm. Right. Mm. And so, um, but along the way, you know, I, I ended up starting a business and now I'm an entrepreneur, like really, like I'm all in. And then my daughter was born in 2012. I'm sorry, 2010, she was born and she turns 11 next week, you know? And so that's exciting time. But, but that time, like I, I was already starting to feel like I wasn't um, doing the best job as Mm -hmm. a, as a husband and a father, my business was failing. So now I'm a failure in three, three pretty important categories that I had told myself. And when I lost my business in 2011, it crushed me. Wow. Like literally crushed me. Cause I thought that was the last thing I would ever do. And it was just due to sales and production numbers. So I was in a really bad mental space, but even though I wasn't using substances, I still had a bad gambling problem. Ooh. My wife didn't really know how bad it was. And if you know anything about gambling addiction, it is the silent killer of a lot of people because I don't have to put anything in my body to gamble. Right. But I'm doing it. So it's this whole dopamine chemical imbalance, all these things going on. And so um, February of 2012, I had a major nervous breakdown in, in recovery, if you will, from substances. Right. But life, I just couldn't handle it. And mm. one night I was just up late and we watched a real inspirational movie. But when you think you suck and you hate yourself, all you really hear is the struggle in the inspirational movie. You don't hear the redemption piece. Mm-hmm. Right. So I saw the negative stuff of the movie, which I understand now I didn't then, but my family went to bed and I stayed up and started organizing my townhouse. I found out later I have a problem with clutter. I didn't know that before I was dealing with suicide ideation again in this part of my life too. Mm. I was actually self-harming myself and, and hitting myself in the side of the head, like so hard that I couldn't put my glasses on the next day. Oh, wow. Cause my temple would be so sore, but I wasn't telling anybody this. Cause if I told you that you would probably say, uh, nine one one, you need to go help my friend out. And I would go away. Hmm. But, but this night in particular, I got up, you know, I, I shut my computer down, started cleaning the house. And the next thing I knew my patio was on fire. And I had grabbed a box of matches in a mental blackout. And uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but the only explanation is I was the one that could have done that. And I couldn't, once I came to reality of what was going on, I couldn't stop the fire. I had to, you know, go rip my wife out of bed who had to get my two-year-old daughter out of her crib Hmm. and my four-year-old son out of his bed. And we ran downstairs and after we got our neighbors and stuff out, we went outside, like the entire patio exploded, mm. fire rushed in. We pretty much lost every single thing that we had. And it was in that moment right there, I realized like, and I don't like cuss a lot and I won't on your show, but I said some things to myself, like what the just happened. And that was the moment that like, I understood mental health and mental illness. Um, mm. Like something went awry and how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the long story short of that is, you know, through a lot of God miracles and amazing things that happened along the way, marital healing, all these things, um, marital struggles, which, you know, the struggle was hard. And my wife had to figure out who's the nutball I married. Do I stay with him? And in her own prayer meditation, she realized that God said, yeah, that's, a, that's the broken man that snapped. 
that's not my son that did that, you know? And, and so she had to go through her own journey to figure out if she was going to stay with me and thank God she did. But, um, but I went to prison for a little while, you know, and it was six months after I had confessed, I got arrested on 19 felonies and 13 misdemeanors. Mm. And I was looking at two years to 56 years in prison. And after a, uh, a hearing eight months later, a uh, judge sent, sentenced me to 13 years in prison. Mm. That was 2013. Mm. Obviously we're here now in mm-hmm. 2021 and that wasn't the case, but 10 and a half months later, I was released from prison. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm in prison and I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out who the heck I am. So anyone listening right now, the biggest message I can throw to you is we got to figure out who we are, especially in Christ. And if you're a believer, a lot of people don't look at it that way of like, who does God really truly say that we are? And I was able to figure that out while I was incarcerated because I read so many books. Dr. Neil Anderson was a big hero of mine, still Mm. is. And Mark Batterson, John Ortberg, uh, Dallas Willard, I mean, you know, the, you know, the disciples in the Bible and reading the Bible from front to back. And so while I'm in this like 10 and a half month bubble of getting to know who I am in Christ. My wife's back home being a single mom, hmm. trying to figure out how to put food on the table, what jobs does she do? And the community of Christ just came around her and, and, and helped her. And 10 and a half months later, I was released on a charge that they don't let into halfway houses, only another miracle of God on arson. And, uh, and so after 11 months in a halfway house was when I started thinking about, okay, now what do I do career wise? Hmm. You know, cause with felonies on your record, it, it limits what you can do, but it doesn't limit what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so after nine failed, you know, job attempts and I got canceled each time because of my background, a friend of mine said, Hey Rob, you should think about starting your own business and doing interventions and coaching. Hmm. Cause I know good recovery and bad recovery. So literally December of 2000, November, December, 2015, I got trained to be, do what I'm doing now as an interventionist and a coach. And January, 2016, I officially launched lifted from the rut and it's been a grind ever since then and, and up and down. And, but, things have come out of that, like, you know, two global podcasts and doing online summits and all that now. And, Mm -hmm. but it all boils down. I don't care if it's addiction or whatever. The reason we use is it's just a symptom to cover the pain. Right. So now I'm all about like, let's just figure out who, who are you? Let's figure that out first Mm -hmm. and what defines who you are and whether it's addiction or career transition or divorce or bankrupt, whatever it is, like, if you know who you are and you actually believe, and I believe who I am, then really I'm going to live out of that identity and anything else that I do. And it has been a heck of a journey to get there, you know, but um, yeah, all the stuff I went through was hard and I've been through a lot. Like as you read the rap sheet in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I can just look back on that and say, what I get to do now is so valuable to change so many lives that what I get to do, I'm not selling widgets or software anymore that I, I don't really don't regret any of it. I don't have any shame or guilt because Christ took that away from me. And I'm just going forward, you know, head, you know, you know, shoulders back, you know, yeah. head up and just knowing that this is the, the journey that God had me on. And to question that is like, well, that wasn't God's plan for you. How do I know that? 
you know? I mean, how do I know everything I went through wasn't part of God's plan to have me where I am now to help people? I don't know, but I'm not God and I'm never going to try to play God. And so mm-hmm. the journey has been hard, but I, I, I can just say, I don't really regret it because I get to do what I do now. And, and my kids think what I do now is pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I love this story and this journey. And I, this whole broadcast is to, to help people and understand that if you're going through recovery or you're going through a situation where you, you might be falling off the wagon again, the, the quote unquote, that you can overcome the situation. Cause my, my situation and it might, might seem like, Oh, well, you know, it's not, not big as drugs or alcohol, but I, I had, I had food. Food was my, my comfort. And I, if I, if I was having problems, because I did have suicidal ideations when I was younger, but God helped me through that. But when I came across trouble, I came across a lot of food and and the food was making me very unhealthy. And I, I almost came to the point of being a diabetic. And even though I was exercising because the military had me exercise and everything else like that, I still overate. And, and it was so bad, get this, it was so bad that when people saw me not eating as much, they thought I was sick. Oh, wow. And because they knew I ate a lot, you know, now, granted, it's not now, thank God, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I like, like you were saying before, I found my identity in Christ. And this happened maybe 10 years ago, I started on that journey. And I've been a Christian for over 20 years. But for, for 20 years, I thought I had to please God with what I did, if that makes sense. Works, works, works. I got I to gotta work to make God happy. Even though he saved me, I still got to work to make him happy. But everyone has their identity in God as he loves us. And, and the, the, I love this verse of the scripture, and I, and I always try to remember it. It's, it says that while we were yet sinners... While we were yet in our mess, basically, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. He, he sacrificed himself out of love while we were in our mess, while we were not the best, while we didn't feel like we were worthy enough. And I, and I think, you know, like, to your point, that when we find our identity, that God loves us. It, you know, granted, he doesn't, he doesn't like the mud that's all over us. But he sees, he sees, he doesn't see the mud. He sees you, who he created from birth, you know, the, the, the intricacies all the way down to the fine points of how many, how much hair we have on our head left, <laughs> you know. Um, but he, he knows us so well, but he loved us. Hmm. He loves us and he still does. And that's why he, he tells us, hey, come to Jesus. I gave you my best when you weren't at your best to, so I can have my eyes on you and my love for you so you can be your best while you're on the earth. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that as far as in recovery and I am making, helping people to identify that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because I look back to when, when I got, when I found sobriety, right. And I had a lot of collateral damage. 
mm. from that, from being mm. in, you know, the company I was working for and, you know, just like, Hey, and, and I remember when I got, when I was, when I was, when they, when they fired me, mm. I'm not even gonna say let go when I got fired because of yeah. poor performance and lack of honesty. When I look back on that, I'm like, man, it really would have been nice if the company would have said, Hey, we know alcohol is a big part of this. Mm. And they knew I had a gambling thing. Like my, my boss, I got drunk with him a lot, you know, the guy mm. that owned the company. And so, but it was like to just fire somebody. And I look back on that now, I'm like, man, how cool would that have been if they would have said, Hey, you know what? We know you have the goods. Cause we hired you. You know, my uncle actually hired me and, and, you know, and, and he didn't have to be the one that fired me, but it was like in that, like, talking to employers right now, it's, you know, don't just let a good employee go. Like, obviously there's a sickness like cancer or whatever it is. Right. And we want to help you get better. So speaking to companies and saying, Hey, mm. pour back into your employees and say, Hey, you're sick and, and we trust you and we want to help you. So we're going to give you an opportunity right now to go forward. And, and that to me, that's like great leadership is to say, Hey, we're not just going to let you go. We're going to help you get back on your feet. And then if, Hey, if you don't hit these markers, then, okay, we'll let you go then, but we're at least going to give you like a second chance. And so I'm all about second chances, obviously. Like I used to watch the news and before I went to prison and I would look at them like, that was so dumb. Why did they do that? Mm. You know? And now I just want to know, okay, what's the backstory? Mm -hmm. How did someone get there? And to look beyond the mud, as you just said, like, the mud is, is the addiction, the divorce and the financial ruin and the credit card running up and all these things. That's the mud. But there's a reason everyone's doing that. So I don't care if you have a shopping addiction, a Facebook addiction, a social media addiction, all these things like there's a reason we're doing that. And to just discard people because of that. I think we do that a lot in the Christian community It's like, oh, well, I can't believe you did that. Well, you're no longer allowed to be part of this Bible study. It's like, no, that's kind of like the opposite of what Christ would do. He'd yeah. put his arms around you and say, hey, you yeah. know what? I know you're coming to the well at this time because like, you know, you can't go during the other times, but um, I, I know what's going on. And, and you know, just that moment of just embracing people. And, and, and I think that that, I know your show talks a lot about leadership and just, you know, encouraging people, but as leaders, you know, it's, it's getting rid of the pride and being humble. Like I had to practice a lot mm. of humility to just ask for help mm. along the way, you know, and, and for me as an entrepreneur that, you know, it gets a lo it's a lonely world sometimes as an entrepreneur, but to understand, to even be led by what the Bible teaches me, I got to have other strong Christian men like yourself around me now and, and other great guys I've met over the last year specifically last like five months, four months. Um, those are the people to surround ourselves with and myself with so I can be a better version of me, but I can't do it by myself. I, it's got to take a community of other strong Christian guys for me, you know, learning from women as well. But just for me, it's like pouring into Christian men and just saying, Hey dude, I want to learn. I want to grow. And, and I want to offer my story to you and help you. And, and cool things come out of that. Like really cool things. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and we're talking about leaders and, and everything else like that and about how they can respond. And I love the way you put it that businesses have an opportunity when they have a good employee to, to maybe be able to partner with recovery programs and to say, look, um, 
let's partner with a recovery program. We have a, we have some individuals in here that are that are employees that we value. We understand that they're going through a situation and maybe like, I don't know, do like an accountability thing. So, all right, all right, you know, you, you, you messed up here in life. Let's partner with this organization here that deals with X, whether it's alcohol or gambling or whatever. And you know what, as long as you are participating weekly or monthly, I don't know how they do those programs, uh, and we see you're doing progress because we don't want to lose you and you know what? That that goes a long way. Because they they there's like, wow, these pack people actually value me as a human being, even though I, they want me to produce, they see my worth. And I and I think that'll go like a long ways for I guess society in general. And even even Christian groups. Um, I know we had um uh one of the doctors come on uh, during our Christian suicide prevention summit. And he said that the best thing for even churches to do is to do the same thing, to partner with organizations that do with recovery, where there's alcohol, uh, gambling, even suicidal ideations, because there's people in, in all walks of life that go through this. And, and you know, and they shouldn't be cast aside as, uh, as a leper, you know, oh my gosh, he, he drinks too much, you know, or, or oh my gosh, he's a, he's a gambling addiction or you know, he lost all of his money uh, in gambling and now he's in debt. You know, oh man, this is going to reflect badly on our on our company. But you know what? We'll reflect even better, and I'm pretty sure you would agree, that if they were to be partnering with those organizations and partnering maybe like yourself, hiring you as a coach to help people with addiction, they'd be like, man, these people are being innovative, thinking outside the box, valuing their people, and man, and and actually helping with their needs, even yeah. uh, even when it comes to addiction. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny you're saying that too because when you look at it from a coaching perspective, and I sit down with a with you know like a CEO that has a great employee, and they just say, hey, we don't want to let the guy go, but he needs some serious accountability. And and I sit down with them, I was like, yeah, you can I can connect on all sorts of levels with people, right? From from you know gambling, substance abuse, divorce, bankruptcy. I mean, all those things. Right. So, but it all just comes from the same empty place really. And mm. I am glad to say that I'm three years clean of gambling. Thank God to celebrate recovery for hey, helping me with God. that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, from, from an intervention standpoint, I mean, we can look at this from like a recent one I was telling you about before, like on Sunday, it was a, it was a business and a personal intervention at the same time because the person owned a business yet her addiction was really affecting the business. And from a duty to warn, I have a duty if the person doesn't go get help to report them, mm-hmm. right? Professionally to get them the help they need. But so, sometimes it's a personal and a business intervention together. So I help businesses that maybe have an, a, a, maybe a, a founder that might be struggling with their addiction that is about to lose the business mm-hmm. because of it. And to sit down with two business partners, it gets kind of black and white sometimes like, hey, we know this is going on and it's killing our bottom line. So either you go get help and based on our agreement, because we'll read through those and figure out what they agreed on. It's like, mm. we'll go through those and say, you're totally in violation of this. And I don't want to end the business, but dude, like you're way off kilter here. And so to sit down with them and get like a black, more black and white from a business intervention perspective, right? But then family interventions or, you know, their loved ones just 
maybe, and, and here, here's how I want to describe an intervention to people. Cause some people say like the one this weekend is like, I watch that intervention show all the time. Have you ever seen that show? <laughs> people are like, I watch it all the time. And, and in that I said, well, okay, there's an idea of it. But what I look at interventions for, and a friend of mine, Scott Graham said this once, and he goes, the way you can look at intervention is instead of you crashing out at the bottom and losing everything, in some ways, we're actually bringing the reality of your bottom to you and saying, look, this is where we are. And this is where you can go mm. further down. But we're bringing this to you right now as, as a gift and an offering of love to say, we love you so much. We're here sitting down with you to say, we're scared. Like this is the addiction. We, we love you, but we hate the addiction and presenting it that way instead of an attack. Mm. That's what I do from an intervention standpoint is to bring the bottom to a family and say, let's look at this where we are now. We don't have to go further down. We can stop it today and go forward and get back your loved one, get back the family system and stop the destruction. But it's a family, it's a family disease. A lot of times, mm -hmm. sometimes the family is even more addicted to the chaos than mm -hmm. the person with the addiction. Mm -hmm. There's a whole unraveling that has to happen. So I do a ton of education for businesses and individuals and families from the intervention standpoint. And then when you get someone help, I'm there on the end, right? Mm. I want to be there in the end. Like tomorrow, a young man comes back to Denver who was completely resistant to treatment, mm. like completely, but through an overdose that almost killed him the day we were supposed to do an intervention, mm. his eyes were opened. He's coming back tomorrow. He's going to do the whole continuum of care and sober living and outpatient and all that. He's a different kid now, and hopefully he sticks with it. But I'm here to help him now when he comes home from treatment and treatment is not always the answer, mm -hmm. you know, from a treatment center, but I help come up with that whole plan. And then the recovery coaching piece is awesome. And, and it's just helping people. How do you put a recovery plan together going forward? Mm. But the coaching I do is not just around addiction. It's about identity and self-worth and any stage in people's lives. I'm just known for the addiction part, but I'm transitioning with addiction to more, of just identity itself. And that's so important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan I mean, of Christian treatment programs. I mean, it's huge. And uh, so from the coaching perspective, like I'm the kind of guy that's there in the beginning and I'll be there at the end and everything in between. Amen. And I appreciate that too. Um, now this came to mind because I want leaders to understand something um, because sometimes, and, I, and I've heard this before, I've heard people say this, Oh, they're just acting like that because acting like that because they want attention. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, that's kind of a hard place to hard place to be. I mean, uh, is there in a in a nice way? <laughs> it, what what can you say? What, what can you say to people to to help them get out of that mindset that oh, this person is is drinking and doing this and this and this, acting up because they want attention? What what would you say to that? Well, let's just go with that statement. Like if they're wanting attention, there's something off. So why not get them some help? If they, if you feel like they're just seeking attention, then attention for what reason? Maybe they feel like they're not worth or they have had, maybe they have abandonment issues in their life and that's how they get validation or their dad told them they would, they sucked and they can never amount to anything. And so they're doing that. So 
there's a reason people act certain ways. So I would reflect it back and say, well, like what things are you are going on inside of you that just aren't exposed like that. Mm -hmm. Right. People like even going to prison and stuff, people like, well, I've done plenty of things I could have gotten caught for and sent to prison. The only difference is you got caught and I didn't. Mm -hmm. So this person is acting out and saying like, well, they're just doing that because they just, because they just want attention, want everyone to look at them and stuff. Well, yeah, they're doing that because they're empty inside. You know, or maybe there's just a jealousy on the other person's side. It's like, well, maybe you're just, you want to be like that more. And so therefore you're saying negative things about them. Cause like, man, I, I wish I was a little more outgoing. Hmm. I wish people liked me a little more or I'm jealous because everyone likes Fred and they don't like me. And so that person should maybe get a book out and journal and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? Journaling is so awesome. If you're watching this and listening to this and like you're not journaling, like journaling is such a great way to check what's going on. Like if you don't like someone at work, well, maybe just get something out and write it down. And it could be a jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. It could just be, they're just an obnoxious pain in the rear end. And you just like, that's just how they act. And you hate their personality. Like, you know, when I moved to Texas, when I was nine, I didn't understand why people talk so funny down here from Indiana. <laughs> right. But I think if someone, at least for me, mm-hmm. if someone's bothering me, what I've learned over time, again, being a business owner, being an employee, being fired, being hired, being ridiculed, being loved, all those things. Like if someone's bugging me today in my life now, at 49 years old and a business owner and a huge team outside of my company, cause it's just me and my company. But, but you know, when I got guys like you, Joe and, and people like Nick and, you know, my mentor, Jeff and pastors, like that, that's my team. Right. But when I can just reflect on if someone's bugging me, and I go right down, it usually comes back to something about me that I need to work on. Yeah. So there's the yeah. challenge to that person that says that to that person. It's like, maybe check yourself, go write some things down and be like, oh my gosh, I know exactly why. Because that person reminds me of mm. this person when I was younger and I can't, I hate that person. So maybe a little forgiveness comes into place or some things are just open when you start looking internally instead of at other things. Yeah, yeah, that is so good. That is so good. Because, I mean, it's true. And sometimes the hardest thing is to do so, a little bit of self-reflecting. But as leaders, as good leaders, we need to, at times, do some evaluation on how we are acting with certain people or lack of acting with certain people and find out what, what it is that why we're having that little conflict or that person irritates us a little bit too much. And, and sometimes it might be, like you said, it's just something that is we're seeing a mirror of ourselves or a lack of something that we feel a little bit inferior about. And it's happened to me before. I've had some soldiers that irritated me. <laughs> and then I, and I had to do some self-reflection. It's like, why is this guy or gal irritating me so much? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, because that, that person is a little bit more articulate about certain things than I am that I wish I was. And you know, then you're like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. It's not them. It's me, you know, and, and I need, yeah. I need to do some self-correction. Uh, but I don't want to go before we leave. Uh, I definitely, uh, how can people reach out to you to find out more about you? Yeah. I always throw my number out there and I mean this, I say this from, from an addiction standpoint, 
Um, and there's a cool story behind that, but I'm just going to give my phone number. I'll give the website, but you people can just call me at 970-331-4469. Or they can just go to liftedfromtherut.com. And, and here's why I give my number out. It was, uh, I was at this event a couple of years ago and there was a guy that he heard me share my story and he goes, wait a minute. And afterwards he pulled me aside and he goes, wait a minute is this your phone number? And he showed me his phone. It had my number in there and my name, you know, Rob L would, he didn't spell it, whatever, but that's what he put in. And he goes, I put this phone number in there like two years ago. And you said to call you if I ever struggled with anything. And his last two years had been hell. And he almost called me. He's like, but I didn't think you were serious. Mm. Right. So that's why I give my number out because if you're in that moment and you just write it down, I mean, people have called and said, I found your business card by a toilet because I like in the like bars, I'll leave my card in there. And it's like, you know, and I've been meaning to call you to connect with my husband or whatever. And, but just be having direct access. And if you get my voicemail, leave a message. Don't like, just say, Hey Rob, I'm struggling. Give me a call or Hey Rob, I'm really struggling with my identity in Christ. Like I, I don't really believe half the stuff you shared. Like, how'd you really get through it? Like, call me. That's the easiest way. But outside of that, just go check out liftedfromtherut.com and poke around and see all the stuff I do and set up a, a call just to tell me what's going on and see how I can help. And if I can help hire me and I'll do the best job I can for you. And if I'm not the right guy, I'll get you to the right resources. Guys, if you haven't figured it out, Rob has a big heart for people. And I don't, I don't say that lightly and I don't bring people on my podcasts, unless I know or feel that they have a heart for people. And that's what Rob is. Hey, but Rob, before you go, do you, do you have any last words for our audience? Man, I think uh, just let's have 2021 be a kumbaya year, you know, give people yeah. a break. It's, there's so much stress going on. And, and like, like, I love what you said about the mud. Like there's something going on behind the mud on the face. So be real, be vulnerable, be honest with people let them in and just, just, I'm just, just love people more, but ultimately just really spend time to figure out who you are. And if you're in the Christian world or you're curious about it, just believe what God says about you, find your identity in that. And I promise you everything else will start falling into place. And the good thing is some people in your life might be eliminated. They don't need to be there. And you can get around the right people that are going to breathe life into you instead of pull it out of you. Amen. And guys, again, uh, he said, reach out to him. If you're struggling uh, with addiction or you just are struggling with your identity, uh, reach out to him. He gave out his number um, and I'll post it in the, in the comments uh, of this podcast. And I, and I, I put myself out there as well. Uh, if you need to reach out to me, uh, you can always reach out to me, DM me. I've had people DM me in the middle of the night that just wanted to talk and I'm willing to do it. I don't care. Uh, call, DM me, uh, uh, message me. Y'all saw, y'all know my Facebook, reach out to me and I, and I will, I, I'll, I'll get up my groggy, uh, wipe the, wipe the eyes, you know, a little bit, you know, wipe the, what do you call it? The caca out of my eyes and, and, uh, and we'll talk. We'll just jam a little bit because you know what? I've been there when I needed somebody to talk to and they came over and talked to me and it's so important and don't be afraid to reach out for help. 
Don't be afraid to do it because there's so many people out there willing to put their arm around you. Well, social distancing, you know, arm around you, you know, for now. <laughs> and and there's there's people out there that love you. You know, if God sees your worth so much, we need to do the same. And that's it. That's it. All right, guys. Uh, hey, this was a good one. I would say go through it again. Make sure you get the, the notes. Leaders, get your notes. And, and people that are struggling, know this. And Rob says, too, you are worth so much more. You're worth so much more. You have so much potential in you. Don't let one little temporary situation take away years of joy, happiness that God has for you. All right, guys. God bless. And we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.